Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Patience Adamu. And I'm Curtis Vermont. And this is The Drip, a podcast about political decision making during a racial revolution. Stay tuned as we analyze Canadian news and Black issues on a weekly basis. And if you support our work to keep you informed, please subscribe. On this week's episode, we discuss some of the top headlines from the week of October 11th, including the Toronto Foundation's Vital Signs 2021 report showing residents are struggling. Toronto City Council slapping renters in the face yet again. Racist incidents from the capital and from the coast. And plenty more. To kick off our politics segment, today we're going to take a closer look at the city of Toronto, which admittedly we haven't done in a while. And considering there aren't any major developments worth talking about yet at the federal or provincial levels, this seems like the right time to do it. We're also going to blend our Canadian politics and Canadian economy segments since they both revolve around the same things, affordability, particularly in housing, and what the city and province are so far failing to do about both. So let's dive right in. First, the Toronto Foundation recently released their annual report on quality of life and inequality among residents. I took the liberty of researching some of the highlights, and let me tell you, they're not pretty. They're not nice. Rude, even. Rude! (laughs) 650,000, that's a quarter of Torontonians' patients, are struggling to make ends meet right now. Shelter Mm -hmm. use has shot up as the provincial eviction ban put in place because of the pandemic was lifted. 56,000 people in Toronto right now are relying on food banks. If we drill down into those numbers a bit more... About 30% of Indigenous and Black households are food insecure at three times the rate of white households. Wow. There are basically no affordable housing units for the bottom 40% of residents. Like, literally, renters today can only afford 0.2% of units available. No. And all this has been occurring alongside unprecedented growth in the housing and stock market. A major driver of this problem, patients, is our expensive-ass housing. Again, according to the Toronto Foundation, home prices have increased 213%, while rents have increased 93% over the last 16 years, and wages aren't keeping up with expenses either, which we all know about. Mm -hmm. So that's a snapshot of where we are now, housing crisis and all. And I'd encourage you to check out the Vital Signs 2021 report for yourself, which we've included in our show notes. Here's the thing. Even with the dismal information I just pointed out, last week, Toronto City Council voted yet again not to legalize rooming houses. Rooming houses, by the way, are basically homes that offer rooms to renters as opposed to whole or partial apartments within a home. And right now, they're only allowed in some parts of the city. Expanding their legal use 
would go a long way to solve our problems by providing more supply. Right. It's worth pointing out for context that this is like, what, the 10th time they've done this, even though the 2016 census tells us 47% of the city's inhabitants were renting back then, meaning that that number is likely higher today. Of course. And if that doesn't put into perspective that when it comes to housing, city council doesn't give a damn about renters, I don't know what will. It's abhorrent and it's a damn problem. It's not even that city council doesn't give a damn about renters. They don't give a damn about people. (laughs) Basically, right? It's all about money. Like, it's crazy. And Premier Doug Ford isn't helping either. In fact, ironically, the city of Toronto, yes, the villain I was just talking about, has been demanding eviction data from the Ontario Landlord-Tenant Board since at least 2018 with no luck. Same thing with numerous housing advocates trying to force policy changes based on the facts. Why? Well... As Gordy Dent, who is the executive director of the Federation of Metro Tenants Associations, says, he's found it harder and harder over the years to get access to the data he's looking for, and he ties it to Doug Ford putting lackeys in place to overwhelmingly favor homeowners. So maybe it's not about them not liking people. They just want homeowners to be satisfied, right? Right. And the consequences are real. Right now, we don't have official data on how many evictions have actually taken place in the city of Toronto. How many of them were what's known as rent evictions or personal use evictions? And how many illegal evictions are happening on top of that? The first big issue as to why this is happening is that Tribunals Ontario, which the Landlord and Tenant Board falls under, doesn't actually track the outcomes of its evictions hearings. What? (laughs) Second, the LTB does have data that could help answer some of these questions, but they don't want to share it leaving housing advocates like Magda Barrera of the Advocacy Center for Tenants Ontario, or ACTO, to collect its own data and submit freedom of information requests to try to fill in the gaps. But obviously, this isn't a good enough solution. So how do we fix the problem? Through policy. We need to vote out these councillors who keep forsaking the needs of renters. Mm -hmm. Further, we need to put term limits in place so these old-school thinkers no longer have planning power. Those impacted by this lack of action, like, really need to write, call, email their MPPs and counselors, since, especially when it's done as part of an organization or even a couple of people, that's when counselors tend to listen. And finally, homeowners, people like you and I, patients, we got to step up too. We have to be saying, I like people who rent. They deserve to live in our neighborhoods too. Yeah. Because being silent is the worst thing we can do right now. Coming full circle on City Council once more, I just want to make clear that just because Toronto Council punted the decision on rooming houses until at least 2022 does not mean there aren't ways to have an impact right now. As Garima Tawar Kapoor, Director of Policy and Research at Maytree, points out, there's a vote coming up on inclusionary zoning, which will require developers to allocate specific proportions of development to affordable housing. So we need more people pushing for change on the regulatory side right now. She also thinks it's about time we think of the role governments can play in establishing housing as a public service to keep homelessness at bay across our province. And you know what? I'm with her on all that. So patients, thoughts on the Vital Signs Report, City Council, the Landlord-Tenant Board? Yo, what the, what the hell? <laughs> It's nuts, right? It's nuts. Nuts. You are, a fun, you are a publicly funded tribunal. Why do you not have any, like, publicly share information, you know, annual reports, quarterly reports, I don't know. 
like on how many evictions are 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 being decided on it i don't understand how that like what a massive oversight yeah like they they know that it's needed uh, by the way, they haven't put out a report in like 18 months because of the pandemic, I guess. But even when they do put out reports, they they omit the information we need. <laughs> what? I yeah, man. No, I, honest, I'm I'm in shock. Yeah. Because I, like when, when you were saying all that stuff about evictions and the, okay, yeah, now now we can do evictions again, and you know there are run evictions, and I'm I'm assuming that that this is accompanied with by some numbers, you know, nope. and that's nuts. Yeah, the interesting thing is that, you know, after the first or second wave when the evictions ban was lifted, um, it's really interesting. The uh, Basically, there was an immense push to clear the backlog of all of these cases. And what we found, what those who were doing the analysis found is that the majority of the decision makers, right? These are people who are homeowners and they have no other care but supporting other homeowners. Hmm. That's it. So that is the rationale, the mentality that we're dealing with. That's what we're getting from Doug Ford. It's, it's, it's a mess. It's, it's so short-sighted. I, I don't know. To me, it's it's short-sighted. But again, I, I am I'm a homeowner who does not have renters. Mm-hmm. But in my as a homeowner, I would be in. I, I would want to invest in some protections for renters. Like it's just like common decency to not want to screw people over because if the the laws only protect homeowners and and renters don't feel protected that that's going to come out in in the way that they treat your property while they're staying with you yeah i don't know i is that just me maybe that's just me but i I just i find that so foul like 49 percent of torontonians are renters and that's how city council is voting yeah yo we got we got people like um Deputy Mayor uh, Denzel Minnan Wong. So he's the um, he's the counselor for I think it's Don Valley East, if not the he's South super West. conservative though, like, super conservative. But yeah. like, but like, so in his writing, for example, fifty five percent of his residents are renters, and this guy like he lambasts them. <laughs> like he, it's like, and the, 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 what I'm pointing out is he he cares so much more for homeowners. He does little for home renters. He actually lambasts them. He slaps them in the face, as some people note it. Hmm. And yet he keeps getting elected. And there are many other counselors just like him. Yeah. People right? aren't paying attention, man. People aren't paying attention. I, I didn't want to get too into this until the election, but I'm going to do it anyway. We just brought the council from 45 members to 23 now, right? Mm-hmm. Or 25 or something like that? 25, but I believe. We, we basically removed you know, 20 people. And, you know, when you have a larger council, it takes less votes to get someone elected technically, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. So now uh, the, the folks who are probably going to the polls and, and voting consistently are probably those old geezers who own, who own homes, right? Not the, the folks who are a little bit more um, precarious with their living situation and with their work. So it's probably we're probably not going to see that change for a really long time until, I mean, millennials need to wake up, that's for sure. But yep. I think it's more than just an age thing. I think this is a, it's it's a matter of precarity. The, the, the more stable you are with like, you know, a secure income that comes every two weeks or whatever, the more likely you are to vote rather than the folks who are working, you know, 14 hour days one day and have other things going on in their lives. So. That's exactly it. Fundamentally, we've kind of been talking about this over the past few weeks, the fact that uh, we have to have a change in approach where there are organizations that are specifically 
supporting individual, whether it be counselors, MPPs, MPs, regional counselors, individual um, elected officials for specific purposes. Yeah. Right. Just like what's happening or what has been happening in the United States. We need to be pushing elected officials that represent our interests and be unabashedly all in about it. Yeah. Yeah. Period. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Moving on to blackity black black news. This week we had a couple of racist incidents make the national news. First up, a contender for the Montreal mayoral position. So I guess it's a it's a municipal week. <laughs> uh, a contender for the Montreal mayoral position and head of municipal party Mouvement Montréal is a target of racial slurs. So mayoral candidate Balarama Holness, half Quebecois, half Jamaican, bop bop took to social media Thursday morning to share a vehemently racist message he says he receives containing slurs and violent threats. He's quoted saying, quote, I was very sad. It was emotionally draining. This is a tough campaign with a lot of pressure. To get a message like this did shake me, end quote, Holness told the press on Thursday. We don't typically talk about Montreal on this podcast, so let me provide you with a little bit of background. Currently, Montreal is in the midst of their municipal elections set to take place on November 7th. There are 10 candidates for mayor and hold it. Wait, wait for this. <laughs> over 250 candidates for the other 100 and something positions, wow. including 65 seats on council. <laughs> wow. So, yes, it's madness. <laughs> It's a bloodbath up there. It's a bloodbath. <laughs> and we used to complain in Toronto about you know, a 45 seat council, but look at that. <laughs> anyway, so back to the story. Another difference between um, municipal politics in Toronto and municipal politics in Montreal is that they actually have parties at the municipal level. Mm-hmm. So Wholeness's party is called Mouvement Montréal, and they are known as being a very, very diverse party. Mm-hmm. They're currently running candidates who are as diverse as Muslim, Black, trans, you name it, they've got it. Mm. He has very much kind of been a bastion for change in Montreal. One of his, one of, one of the, the policies he's really, really pushing is to make Montreal a bilingual city. Currently, Montreal is a francophone city. Mm. Anyway, last week, Holness filed a complaint with Montreal Police Service after receiving an online message loaded with hateful, racist comments the message was full of racist terminology poor grammar and even (laughs) (laughs) and even encourages wholeness to commit suicide or quote 
ask someone to kill you, end quote. Now, kill yourself, fam. Like, this message also accuses Holness, who was born in Montreal and played with the Montreal Alouettes, of being a, quote, immigrant bastard, end quote. Sorry for the vitriolic language there. Any comments on what's happening to Ballarama Holness in Montreal as he's running for mayor? Uh, you know, I um, I can only imagine what kind of stress. You know, I, what I'm getting at is, I, I, you know, I'm sure he knew that this would come. Yeah. But just as he pointed it out, this is a very stressful time and it's it's rattling him. So I... I just want to send my support, our support in this time, understanding what that feels like. Um, I don't know what his standing is in the race, but if he has a chance of winning, I I really hope that uh, he does because he seems to reflect the kind of city for Montreal that that, uh, most, well, I would hope most people would want. Yeah, and I think, so he's he's not not a, a major contender. There are two kind of front runners in this race but what he is doing just by by being in the race and just by you know drawing a lot of attention to diversity in the city of Montreal what what he is doing is he's he's bringing the conversation to the fore mm-hmm. so after he received all of these threats and and he brought it to the, the CBC and and the Montreal Gazette it got the 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 two front runners to have to address it like to address mm-hmm racism in the city to address anti-black racism and anti all of these, these, these things. Um, xenophobia is also something that they really struggle with. So they had to, to deal with it, to talk about it. And I think that that's a really great thing. So I'm not sure he's going to win, but even if he doesn't, he's, he's making big moves. Yeah. Let's hope that people like uh, Prima Francois Legault uh, is listening to his dialogue. (laughs) Well, but the thing is like, so what do we know, though? We know that as these things happen, as, as they're discussed more and more, that's how change happens. Yes. Um, so that, that's that's the mentality that I have. I hope that people like, like Lego are listening. Yeah. Moving on to our next story, the head of the Black North Initiative is harassed while in her car. I saw that you shared the op-ed written by Dahabo Ahmed Omer mm-hmm. uh, in the National Post, and I, I took some time to read it. And I, I'm I'm a really big reader. I mean, I think you've seen my <laughs> my my library in my office, mm-hmm. and um, it, it felt like a fictional novel, and I, I I couldn't believe how visceral my reaction was to it. And frankly, it, like it, her her op-ed ended like like almost like, like on a cliffhanger, right? I was yeah. waiting for more. I was yeah. like. What happened after the white lady cried? What happened after that other guy called the police? Did the police ever show up? You know, she was in that neighborhood, you know, for a reason to to have a meeting or, or something. Did that person ever get involved? I just, I wanted to know so bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How did you feel after after reading that, that, that article? You point out fiction. And um, I mean, I don't know if it's because uh, I know what she looks like, but... I could picture everything in my head. Oh, wow. I pictured, like I played it out in my head as I was reading it. And it actually, it made me think of stories that I've uh, read before. I I would assume some of them are nonfiction, but fictional Mm -hmm. stories, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So uh, to your point, I felt pretty similar. And in terms of her cliffhanger, how she ended it, you know, she's basically saying, I'm tired. (laughs) I don't know. It's, it's. 
it's a reflection of how so many feel and the fact that she didn't really end the article it reflects the fact that we are still in this racial revolution it is ongoing yeah there there and is no it, end it, yeah exactly it it doesn't even matter how it ends what that, that that's what i love the most about it cuz sometimes you tell these stories and the cop comes and the cop's a good cop and it kind mm. of vindicates. But but the fact that she ended the story so early, I think, really draws attention to the harassment. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I thought that was I thought that was beautiful. It took a little while for that to settle for me, eh? Like I because I just said what I said, but at the same time, it's like I almost wanted more. But as I thought about it, it's like there there really is nothing more to say, is there? Exactly. But that's part about it right, right? I, I think right. I, I don't know i don't know how white people feel because i'm not white but I, as a black person that, that's exactly my process curtis i read it and i was like come on girl give me more and mm-hmm. then the more frustrated i became the more i i, I reconciled it just like you did like oh mm-hmm. exactly mm-hmm. it doesn't matter it doesn't mm-hmm. matter yo man um, I, I haven't seen anything come out from West Hall to follow that up. I guess maybe, maybe there's no need to, but I mean, like, I'm assuming that they work closely together because they're spearheading the, the Black North Initiative together. But mm-hmm. yeah. it, it was so compelling. It was yeah, yeah. really, I want to say that it was well done because it was, it was well done, but like, it, it's, it's not that like, it's, it's just. Is it perfect timing? I don't know. It was just no. I, so perfect timing. I, I would disagree with that. Needed, yes, mm. in the sense that it kind of came out of. No, how did I even come across it? Seriously, how did I come across the article? I probably saw it on LinkedIn, right? Mm. So, like, I it's not something that I was even thinking about in terms of this level of racism, right? We've kind of been talking more about systemic racism. Right. Recently, not the petty trash that we were talking about more so last year. Right, right. And, and here it is again. And here yeah. it is being lobbed onto a high-ranking Black woman. Yeah. Right? And I think I wrote this on Instagram. I mean, it really does put into perspective that it doesn't matter your station, man. Does not yeah. matter. Doesn't matter your station. And, and that's why we have to... I don't, you know, I'm tired of saying these words, but like remain vigilant, but like, you know? Well, I mean, so let me, I, I, I like, I like that you said it doesn't matter your station, but I remember when we had a conversation with Wes Hall, and I think Wes Hall speaks about this a lot, mm-hmm. is that him having a lot of money drew more attention, right? So the fact that, that Zahabo was in a black Mustang. True. Maybe True. even like it, it wasn't a Toyota Corolla, which is what I drive, and I'm very proud to drive. <laughs> it, <laughs> it was it, it was a it was a, a luxury vehicle. Uh, it's a sports it's a sports car, not as not a luxury. It's sorry, a sports sorry, car. it's a sports car. <laughs> so I don't I don't really know a lot about cars, but yeah, like you know what I mean. Like, it wasn't. It, what I mean is that it, it wasn't the Toyota Corolla. It wasn't that, basic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't basic. <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you for calling my car basic, but yeah. <laughs> but it, okay, it's it's an entry level model. Come on. <laughs> okay, <I'll> just... <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um but yeah, like so I, I think I, that that says obviously I'm not I'm not kind of I'm not trying to draw attention like woe is me to people like Westall like nah, you're you're rich, you're fine. But you know, it it is the, like yeah, it, it's 
it's inescapable, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It doesn't matter how many laws you follow. And, and I, I like how she also chronicled what she was thinking at every point in time. Right. You know, like, she was, okay, so you're in, I'm, in my, I'm in my car. I'm taking a call. Uh, l- let me move my car. And the mm-hmm. lady comes around the corner. Around Curtis. a blood clot corner. Curtis! I, I, yo, when I read that too, I was like, because again, I told you I was, I'm picturing it, right? Yeah. So I'm literally seeing this deranged little devil leave her home, yeah. not see the car, be like, mm, let me go find this woman. She's probably around the corner. <laughs> like, Curtis, can you imagine having that much time? I, I, I mean, yeah. How do you have that much time? Yeah. Man, that's wild to me. I've never had that much time. <laughs> Like, to go seek out someone who hasn't even, yeah. That, you know that, what I mean? But it's, it, it, it's harassment. Like, it, it, Clear harassment. It, I just, I can't even, it, it go, it, this is so, it's, it's, it's hard for, for me to talk about this because there's so many examples, like, flying through my mind right now. Mm-hmm. So you don't think she's a criminal because you, you're not asking her about her car necessarily, except for the man was saying that he has the same car. Exactly, right? He's, he's, he's almost trying to make rapport. Like, so, okay, so so that, so, so you don't think she's a criminal, but you're treating her like, 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 you know, when, when, um, you know, white men call black men boys, like mm-hmm, kind of trying mm-hmm. to sun them. So mm-hmm. you're trying to sun her. Mm-hmm. And, and, mm-hmm. and, but what exactly is it that you want her to, you want her to divulge all of this personal information about why she is within her own personal space, which is her car? Like, what, what, what did they want? What would have been good enough? It's like, yeah. Other than co- total compliance. Total and utter just, oh, hello, sir. How are you? Oh, you want to talk about my, let me just hang up my phone call. Yo. And engage you for the rest of the day. Yo. <laughs> because it's your right. Man. You just listened to episode 72 of The Trip. We're releasing pods on a weekly basis, so subscribe to stay up to date. We strongly, strongly, strongly encourage you to keep up with us on our Instagram and through our Patreon pages dedicated to the podcast. Follow us or support us at The Drift TO. And you know, we love our many non-Black, non-BIPOC listeners, but a message specifically to our Black listeners, we hope that you know that this is a safe space for you. So if you have any feedback or questions, feel free to slide in our DMs and let us know what's up. We'd also like to give a special shout out to Toronto's very own Be On Location for the sounds you're hearing now. You can find more tracks from him wherever you get your music. See y'all next time. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.